0: Yes, yes. Welcome to the Tim McKernan Show. I'm your host, Tim McKernan, alongside the great John Seymour, executive producer of this fine presentation. Welcome in for another episode of the podcast. Uh, You know, I I tweeted this out, um, that when it gets down to it, similar to the the morning drive program that I host in St. Louis, uh, the Ryan Kelly morning after, um, there really isn't a plan per se, uh, to this whole thing. I don't know if I'm going to wind up doing like five a week. I don't know. I don't know if I'll wind up just doing one a week. I don't, I don't know. When something strikes me, uh, we'll, we'll get in the podcast studio and, and wax poetic. But if there is one thing that we're hoping to be a staple, uh, it's that every Monday we bring you, um, a big name guest in the world of sports, entertainment, or politics. And uh, so far I would like to think we have delivered on that and hopefully you have subscribed and uh, given a positive review to the Tim McKernan show here as we are about to enter our second month um, as we have been able to uh, sit down for extended long-form interviews with former Missouri head coach Gary Pinkle, uh, Cardinal President of Baseball Operations John Mazalok, uh, former U.S. Senator uh, John Danforth, and the uh, rising media star Clay Travis, both in the world of sports and in politics. Uh, Clay has been making his name certainly in in 2017, in addition to a really, what I thought was healthy discussion uh, on the NFL protests with Tyoka Jackson and a great uh, kind of state of the Cardinals interview with Derek Gould and Brian Curtis of the Ringer on all that's going on in the world of sports media and especially at ESPN with, the uh, bizarre stuff that has been taking place in October, 2017 at ESPN. So all of that has been in there and please subscribe to the podcast and uh, give your thoughts with a review. It helps the cause. These are things that I'm learning as we go. So it, what I love are the long form conversations and we bring somebody uh, here into uh, St. Louis County, Kirkwood, Missouri, our uh, Ryan Kelly home loan expert studios. And we sit in and we just kind of go, and uh, and see where things wind up taking us. And so in the case of John Danforth, the former senator, over the last few years, um, my wife and I, we've gone to lunch with with uh, the former senator. Uh, I've done uh, kind of prep interviews for him on his book tour, and, uh, and we've developed a rapport. And so going into that interview, even though it's politics, um, I had a comfort level with him because... We've gotten to know each other and certainly Gary Pinkle, I can wax poetic on Missouri football as a guy who went to school there and has been watching the team play all these years. And of course, Cardinal baseball, you grow up in St. Louis. It's a second language to, to speak Cardinal. And, and so these things are a comfort zone. But our guest today, a unique spot and, and being real candid, I don't know if nervous is the right word. I don't think I know. Actually, I know it's not the right word, but I guess perhaps a little apprehensive is the way I would describe it uh, when uh, we were able to book uh, Ed Martin, who you will hear from today in an interview that uh, if you do sit back for uh, our hour-long conversation with him, I would imagine you will certainly have a reaction. I don't know if it will be positive. I don't know if it will be negative, but I'm certain you will have a reaction. And with Ed Martin, I didn't know him. I didn't. I hadn't met him until he walked into uh, the Ryan Kelly Home Loan Expert Studios and um i knew that his politics certainly were different than mine and i haven't really been in that spot in 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 this show uh or in in the morning drive show i host uh certainly there will be people who would vote differently than me but we we ed and i i think are on the major opposite ends of the spectrum and so when you have that Uh, I'm thinking, okay, is this going to be tense? Is it going to be weird? Am I going to piss him off? Is he going to piss me off? How will I handle that? How will he handle it? Is it going to be awkward? We don't know each other. So that's what I was thinking going into it. Um, And Ed, for those of you who are not familiar uh, with him, uh, you can see him really almost nightly on CNN. I suppose it's a few times a week. CNN uh, flies him up from St. Louis to New York or Washington and he's on uh, the panel, uh, whether it be on Anderson Cooper's show, uh, on Don Lemon's show. He is, he is the gentleman who replaced uh, Jeffrey Lord uh, as uh, the main Trump supporter on their panels. And I also knew from his time here in St. Louis area, even though, as he mentions, as you'll hear, he's a New Jersey native. But, uh, you know, he's been in St. Louis for a quarter of a century at this point, having gone to St. Louis University Law School, that he... Uh, His run for multiple offices uh, and was the chair of the uh, Missouri Republican uh, Party uh, here. So, uh, you know, I I was familiar with him and I didn't know which way this whole thing would go. But here is what I think you will find as you listen. You may love what he has to say or you may hate what he has to say. You might agree with some. I have no idea. You're going to have a reaction. That's what I know. And on top of it, Uh, he talks very quickly and very enthusiastically and tells some stories. And I found myself um, absolutely engrossed in the conversation and loved the conversation, even though throughout the conversation, there were clearly things that I disagreed with that he said. And I'm certain there were things that uh, he disagreed with that I said, but whatever the case might be, I enjoyed the conversation. I guess when it's all said and done, that's what this whole thing is about. Um, So uh, Ed Martin, uh, currently of CNN, although as we uh, get to, Uh, at the back end of the podcast, uh, potentially uh, considering running uh, as the Republican uh, nominee against Claire McCaskill for the U.S. Senate in 2018. You'll hear what he has to say about that because the Kansas City Star in early October reported that Martin is considering running for that Senate seat. Uh, So you'll hear what he has to say about that. But there's all kinds of stuff covered in here. And uh, like I said, you will have a reaction. I, I just know that. I, I, when we get done with these things, I always, at least I think I know, what people's uh, emotions will be. And my my reaction to this is, you will have a reaction. That's what my guess is. And I'm really curious what people think. As I always say, if you've listened to all the podcasts, this is ad nauseum, but uh, it's truly how I feel. I like feedback. I just like feedback. And I, and I don't care if it's not positive. I want feedback. As I always also say, ideally it's civil. There's nothing really productive by you know, MFing me or, you know, whatever, but, but if it's constructive, I enjoy it, uh, positive or negative. doesn't matter. I just, I, I want to try and, and bring the best product we can to those of you who are, are listening to, uh, the show. So email me at tmckernan at inside stl.com. As I said, we're broadcasting from the Ryan Kelly home loan expert studios, and we want to make sure that we convey to you that without our sponsors, we have no podcast. So If you enjoy the show, please make sure you do business with the companies you hear advertising on the show. And Ryan Kelly is uh, certainly one of the top sponsors you will hear both on the Ryan Kelly Morning After and also on the Tim McKernan Show, This Fine Podcast. Ryan Kelly and the Home Loan Expert team work hard so you don't have to. If you are looking to refinance or purchase a home, why would you go anywhere else call ryan at 314-781-9700 314-781-9700 or visit the home when it came down to it my sister was buying her first home i said hey this isn't just a commercial that we do on our show this is a person i know and a company i know you can trust and she made sure that when she bought her first home she went to ryan kelly when the time comes for us to buy another home or to refinance, we will make sure that we go to Ryan Kelly online at the home 314-781-9700 314-781-9700. Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert, the sponsor of the studios here on the Tim McKernan show. So Ed Martin and I uh, had a chance to sit down, talked for about an hour. I mean, we covered it all. He is uh, certainly a Donald Trump supporter. He was uh, quote unquote kind enough to bring me a Donald Trump uh, supporter t-shirt uh, and, uh, he knew going in that that probably wasn't something I would be sporting. Uh, however, it is still in the back of my car. Uh, and he also brought me, uh, his book, uh, the conservative case for, uh, Trump, which, uh, he, uh, co-wrote with the late Phyllis Schlafly. Um, and, uh, you get all of his thoughts on, uh, what he perceives as the positives and what he perceives as the negatives of president Trump. And then also his, Uh, potential career decisions as far as broadcasting, but then also uh, the United States Senate and running for uh, that seat that will be up for grabs uh, in 2018 uh, with Claire McCaskill, uh, who has uh, been the U.S. senator, uh, along with Roy Blunt from Missouri. So you have all of that coming your way. Always enjoy your feedback. Settle in for an hour long conversation with Ed Martin here on the Tim McKernan show. Ed, it's a, it's an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for coming in.
1: Glad to be with you, Tim. I, fun to be fun to be. I don't know if we've ever met. Is we never met. Yeah, we
0: never met. Now I grew up in South City. Yeah, you were running in yeah. 2010, and I would remember going to my parents' house, Tam
1: Avenue. Yeah, and I would see yard signs everywhere. That's right. That's yep. how I would see it. Yeah. Well, I grew up in New Jersey, so Jersey people didn't guy. realize. Yeah, exactly. I just was on the phone with a friend of mine coming here, and I said, "Been here 25 years." Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly, you know, but I said, I grew up in Jersey. And he said, I never knew that. I said, that's why I talk so fast and want to fight so much. So, you know, that's, uh, anyway. Where where did you grow grow up in Jersey? Well, I grew up in a little town called White House Station. It's about, um, as most things are now defined, related to Trump. It's about 15 miles from the Trump uh, golf course in New Jersey, which is really funny. Because back when I was a kid, there was no, it was the estate. You'll love the image. Remember the car in uh, Back to the Future, the DeLorean, the DeLorean. Well, John DeLorean's estate is in Bed- Bedminster. When he died, it was bought by Trump, who put the golf course. That golf is course that is right? DeLorean's estate. Yeah, in fact, the big house you see that is the clubhouse is DeLorean's old house. Really? So, yeah, yeah. I didn't so, know that. So I grew up about about twenty miles, fifteen miles from there. But then I, I most of my. Childhood and young adult, yeah, well, before college, was in Jersey City. I went to high school in Jersey City. I used to commute in on the train to go to a, a school that was a lot like uh, Slough High, a Jesuit Boys High School. That's my turf, man. Yeah, I'm a St. Louis, Louis high. Yeah, guy. so I knew that. So, um, yeah, so it was a same kind of uh, same kind of demographic, which is to say, most of us got in. Trouble, but not too much trouble. Yeah,
0: and I know about and, that. Also.
1: Know, and, yeah, so that was it. Yes, yeah, so and I came out here to go to St. Louis U. Uh, law, law school. Right? Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. And so
0: that's how you got to St. Louis. Was well, St. Louis U. Law.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting story actually. There was a priest, a Dominican priest named Kevin O'Rourke, who's now since died, who was a, a great teacher of medical ethics, and he started one of the earliest programs in medical ethics at St. Louis U. in this in the graduate school. He came to Italy. I was in Italy living and he gave a speech. And afterwards I went up to him and I said, oh, medical ethics, I was interested. I said, I think I'm gonna to go to law school. He said, come to St. Louis and you can go to law school at the same time as you do this ethics degree. I had never been to St. Louis in my life. I'd never thought about it. And six months later I was uh, accepted and came to St. Louis. So it was kind of coming for slew law, but also for this uh, healthcare ethics, this question of the, 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 most of the ethics in end of life and medicine, was really started and dominated by Catholics early on. Now it's crossed over and everybody's into it. But mm-hmm. um, so that's how I got here. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah. But you're spending a lot of going back up towards your home area yeah. by flying back and forth to New York City. It right? is
1: fun. You're, Tim, you're talking about CNN. So I, I go up, they fly me up almost once a week, if I'll say yes, and I fly up. So yeah, it's kind of nice. I see my parents, they come into the city to uh, to have lunch and stuff. So you, you, you can't go too far from. Um, midtown Manhattan or Columbus Circle where the studios are kind of they but it's yeah it's kind of fun I've seen a couple of my buddies and my my parents so it's fun so you replaced Jeffrey Lord that's right he Jeff- was
0: let go in August that's right and he talked about always having the the bullseye not only on on his back but also on his front yes do you feel like you now have the bullseye on your front and back when you're sitting there well, on the panels
1: you know I supported Donald Trump and um I kind of made a decision with Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly, to support him based on issues and things. And then I never backed down. I mean, I. From the the get go? Right. From from the escalator? From pretty well, no, from pretty early. Early, when the escalator came down, it took about six months that Phyllis and I both were watching some of the others. Uh, Scott Walker was pretty seasoned, but we thought Trump had something special, both in terms of issues and a talent. But when Billy Bush happened, for example, you know, that was the day, that was Friday before the debate in St. Louis. And I stayed, you know, we didn't, I, a lot of people quit. And a lot of people backed off. They said, well, I've got these concerns. I I have had concerns about, you know, policies, and, and but I never backed off. So when Billy Bush happened, I did all the TV and all, and, and because I was scheduled to do it. When things happened in good or bad ways, uh, I have just believe that he's an important guy for what we've got. So I do have this reputation, having written the book and all, the conservative
0: case for Trump. Current,
1: yeah, New York Times bestseller. And New York Tim Times really, bestseller. And
0: you, you brought one. I for brought me. one for you. That's Along right. with a
1: shirt. Along with a shirt. This is I want to get. I noticed he didn't put the shirt on, John. You know, <laughs> the, and the ability and to get sitting the Sitting over ax, there. Yeah, sitting over there. with will He's gonna cut it. He's gonna cut a whole hole here. You know, but uh, so, so yeah. I mean, at CNN. They're very good folks, you know. Don Lemon, by the way, he, he's on. I'm on a lot with him. He was a St. Louis he's a reporter, reporter right. at Channel Two. Yeah, and, and first out of his mouth, first thing when I met him in New York and saw him, we talked about St. Louis and uh, um, and Anderson Cooper, whose show I'm on an awful lot, is very laid back guy, very kind of cool character, nice guy though. But yeah, I mean, I they put me in the center seat most times, and it's just a, a beat down. And you know, again. There's a famous story Phyllis Schlafly used to tell about her husband was Irish and she was Scotch mostly Scot, and she said her husband the joke was you know, Irishman's walking down the street and he sees a fight and he goes over and knocks taps guy on the shoulder and says is this a private fight or can anyone jump in <laughs> you know so I I have a little bit of that in me but yeah it's a but with some exceptions which maybe we'll get into most of the people that are flailing away are good well spirited and after the bell rings and it's over they're you know. Pretty normal. A couple of exceptions. Some of the, some, frankly, some of the a couple of the ones recently, the Anna Navarro, she just stays, just like trigger.
0: So off when the you air. guys go to commercial break, oh, she's, man, still, she's still she's still going after off. you. And well, are, you,
1: are you going after her?
0: How, what's no, going no, on? No, no,
1: I this? don't. I, I just think it's like a fight. I think it's like a fight or sports. You know, I'm not going to hang out with the Cubs, but I mean, I'm you know there's certain respect. You, you know, so when you go off the air. You know, you go back to the green room, you walk down the hall and you're next to these guys that a minute ago you're flailing away on. So you got to have some rhythm of how you do it. But no, the funnier thing is usually with Anderson Cooper, it's a whole hour. And so we go the first segment and then we go to break. And then in your ear, you know, they say in your ear, you know, three and a half minutes, you got three and a half minutes. The room is dark, it's cold, you know, it's real cool. And everybody, everybody picks up their phone. Right, so I check Twitter because they unload on me on Twitter. I search your mentions before oh, you arrive. Oh it's unbelievable! It's great. And I then I read them out loud. Everybody's uncomfortable. Everybody like they're like, and everybody's kind of not uncomfortable there. So I read them. I, I'm like, oh, the Ed Martin fan clubs kicked in, and, and Anderson loves it because Anderson says he never checks his. But so there's a there, most of the time everybody's very cool, and they're you know you get done flailing away, and even if you get beat up, you kind of roll with it. Sometimes you're the beater, sometimes you're the beaten. But so, every now and then, some of the people, they're like, like, Van Jones is very cool, off the air, very cool guy. Paul Begala, very cool guy. Like they're, But every now and then, you get somebody who's, like, off the air, and they're, like, tossing. One woman was, I won't tell you which one. She's like— I've got at to, my, ask. At my ba- to ask. I'm not going to You can still say no. I'm not telling to you. I'm not telling you. Not, <laughs> but I already said it's a, it's a girl. But, I mean, she's throwing at my back as a, she's, you know, like, as we're walking away off the set, the mics are off, she's saying, you know, you're a— I think it was, you're a hot mess. And I was like... This was Anna Navarro. No, no, it wasn't Anna (laughs) Navarro. Nicely done. Actually, it was a different one. She was mad, too. Yeah, there's two. There was another one, yeah. But anyway... So So what do you you say when they're yelling at you and, and you're off the air? I said, which, of course, again, being Irish, you can't resist the fight. I said, I guess you lost that argument, huh? Which makes her madder, right? I mean, she gets even hotter. And then, so, you know, I didn't do what the devil's... Remember the old Devils coach said to the referee have another have another donut you fat pig. Remember that line? I didn't oh, do anything like that. Oh there was none of that god. trash talking oh like that. Oh my god. I would never do that. Oh my god. I grew up god. a Devils fan. That was New one Jersey of the, Yeah, fans. oh yeah, Scott maybe source of controversy oh, right yeah, here. But I mean you it, got him. Yeah. Lose lost him and, and then you go and win cups. Right, exactly. Yeah. Great. I mean, but I, I had yeah, but anyway, so I didn't I generally stay pretty cool. I I it's hard some but anyway, it, it's um it's the other thing is it's big league, it's big league ball. I mean, you go up there, they got every studio's got like 10 cameras and all, you know, there's lots of the, CNN's got like seven or eight or nine floors, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's a lot of that. They got like three different people that are making sure you're getting from the green room to the place, right? Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of attention on it. And and the other thing, you know, you know there's nothing like TV. You can say you like YouTube, you can say you like I'm, I like all of it, but you go on CNN, there's a million people watching, like at the dumbest hours, right? Yeah. So it gets a lot of attention on the issues that I care about, and so it's worth the worth the fight. Has know? there
0: been a moment since you've been doing you've been doing it at, a, at this point about a month or yeah, take month, where you mm-hmm. go, oh, I wish I had that one back, or I wish I
1: could have gotten that one in? Yeah, this is actually a really this is an important story. So I, you know, I'm not I'm not. Silly enough, I don't think to think I know everything. So I, I said the executive producer is a guy whose uh, name is Charlie Moore, and he's about my age. But I never met him until this occurred. But I've been emailing with him, and so the first time I'm on the show, he's Anderson Cooper's guy. I kind of rose up with Anderson Cooper, so he's kind of a well-known right. guy. So I was on the show the first night in New York. So it's an hour-long show. The second segment, the second hour. And it was okay, pretty good. And I said to him, I emailed him later that night I'm at the hotel, I said, any tips? You know, what do you think? I mean, I was nervous a little bit. What do you think? He said, good start, you know, don't worry about it. The next night, there was one of these blow-ups. I mean, and it was just a free-for-all. Who was was in the blow-up? Well, it was, um, I think it was Anna Navarro, this other woman uh, that I'm not saying, but you'll figure it out if (laughs) you need to. You guys will find a search really easily. But anyway. My producer, the Seamaster, is already looking. Yeah, (laughs) so, uh, so... I'll tell you off the air to shortcut it. But anyway, so at least I won't be on tape saying it. So, so it's like it's just like it's just not, not clear to me it's good radio. I mean, TV. Yeah. So after the... So set, you, you're not sure it's good TV? Or you I'm not it, sure it's good TV. Okay. It's I, bet just, he loved, I bet
0: they love well, it. Well, I don't know.
1: But I mean, they, the one thing I found out later is like they check ratings every single day. So if you have a show on a Tuesday night, they're seeing ratings on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And if you're invited back on on Wednesday night, you must be doing okay. That's mm-hmm. how much they're watching it because it's that big. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the... It's not, you know, this isn't like single A ball. This is the... Right. So, so the, it's just a mess. And I go back on the set... To, so I'm on Tuesday night, then on Wednesday night it just goes free for all. I mean, just free for all. Like, and it was like out of the gate. It was like so, and it's like me and Hammer and Tongs just to, and and when we go to break. It's like people are like just anyway. So, so I, people are still tight at still, break. Still, oh man, still they're tight. still well, they're not fighting, but they're like it's they're still tense. A tense oh, right? not even a little tense. So I'm like, boy. So I happen to go back into this to the to the um, studio. Because something was, I forget why, but I saw Anderson. And I said, hey, I'm not sure that's good TV or not. And I'm nervous. Like He said, yeah, I don't know either. He said, I like a little bit more discourse than that. So at that moment, I get a text email from Charlie Moore. He says, hang around if you can. So he says, hang around. So now it's the guy comes out, I meet him. He says, look, it's like being invited to a dinner party. He said, if, if you come in and the first thing you do is they serve the salad and you're like, the salad is just dog meat and you flip out. He said, you know, you're not going to have much of a meal. Like he said, so if it really does stink, go ahead. Drop the hammer, but he said you you might want to pace yourself because it's like being at a dinner party. And he said, and you might think to yourself, if I smack one of the guests right off the gate, out of the gate, you're going to have this dynamic. And he said, so just and it was a great way to think of it. Like you're there, you're thinking to yourself, this is a silly line someone's saying, but is this one I want? Because you got a whole hour, mm-hmm. you know, fifty minutes. Yeah. Do you want to take the hammer to it? So that was um, that was kind of good advice on how to manage the the. Dynamic and he was he was really nervous because he's he's thinking to himself do I have one of these nut job right wingers? So he's like, I'm not telling you to soften your positions. <laughs> he's like, but I'm saying about how you get your argument done. He's like, so just, you might want to think of that. And that's been, so you kind of learn the rhythm of it, but it is fun. Once you figure out one thing I love to do is agree with something. Someone says that I otherwise don't agree with and then keep going back to it. It makes them nuts. You know, like <laughs> I did, I think I did it last night. It's like, Oh, you know, I agree with that position. Then it sounds like, okay, here we are. And then you go right in then uh, it just makes yeah, them nuts. So Anna Navarro, for example, yes. is a Republican. Yeah,
0: sort of. So is this one of these, t- what you would call a rhino, Republican name only? Or because, yeah, I mean... I, she she, was, she used to be the conservative who would come on and criticize President Obama, and now she yeah. is super upset and tweets quite often about it right. and I, goes at it with you about President yeah, Trump.
1: Yeah, I mean, the term rhino is easy to throw around, right? So it's like, um, you know, the, it's, it's, it's hard to make... Clear what that is here last night, though. As we're recording this, last night, this is a great clip that's out there of her. I said, She she had this she, Trump is the end of the world, and all. And I said, Look, the anger that she's expressing is we have to honor it, like we to, you know, people have that feeling. But here's the thing we steered, and then I said, Which is a total, total sort of like I mean, intentional. I said, And you know, Anna. For Anna and the people on her side, they lost this election. They lost and so then she launches into this wild tie ride. She said, I backed Jeb Bush and he lost. I backed Huntsman and he lost. I backed Romney and he lost. I'm thinking, listen, and I'm like, how's this going for you? Like, and then and then I said, and Hillary, and she's like, That's right, and I backed Hillary and she lost. Well, if you back Hillary for president, you don't really get to sort of move back into the I mean, on fundamental issues. Anna Navarro and I disagree. Uh-huh. Immigration, trade, size and scope of government, I think, and on abortion and and, and voting for Hillary Clinton. I mean, I, so I don't know whether she's a rhino or not. I think she thinks she's a Republican, but her wing of the Republican Party is fading and gone, and, and a losing, losing effort. So, but man, I made her mad. Well, I,
0: th- th- that gets me to to something that I'm curious about. I'm really right. fascinated about this. Uh, Jack Danforth. Yeah, yeah. Who? I, Senator Danforth. I, that's sure, correct. Is somebody who uh, I've developed a, a rapport with. Uh, y- you want to talk about? It? I'm sure he he he's not a loyal listener of the radio show. I can't imagine. <laughs> I hope.
1: I hope. I hope not. I mean, no wait. I mean, I don't know what
0: that meant. but I'll <laughs> yeah. Take it as, as yeah. something. But either way, uh, I have a great deal of respect for him, and he was a guest on the podcast a few weeks ago, and we talked about his op-ed he wrote in the Washington Post condemning President Trump. What was your reaction to that when uh, when you read it in August?
1: Yeah, I I can't remember enough of the detail to get too into it, but I was put off by it, to say the least. I I think... I you know Senator Danforth and I practiced law together. I was at Brian Cave mm-hmm. and we have mutual friends you know Martha his um, his kind of right hand um, amazing talent and lady and so and I and I know I'm, um, I just think that um, there's a couple things. One is there's a lot of people who seem to be able to judge the content of Trump's character in a way that I have a little bit uh, more a little bit more distance from, in the sense that, like, even this came up last night. People said, "Trump is this, Trump is that. He's a terrible person, all that." I don't know. I've known a lot of, you know, I know I'm from Jersey. I know a lot of Jersey blowhards that are, you know, that are that are a certain kind of style, and I'm not sure I can judge their character. And so, what happened with the with the um, with the Danforth op-ed, the way it was utilized, I don't know that he sat down and said, "Let me do this this way." But the way the Post used it, the Washington Post used it, and the way they use use Jack Danforth is to say everybody knows his reputation as a good guy. You know, he he was the minister at Reagan's funeral. Right. He was a he's you know, there's no nobody thinks about Jack Danforth that he's a philanderer. Right. It's the opposite. And so and he's put up here and then he's saying Trump is is off base over here. And and I don't think, you know, I don't think he's particularly in the business of judging other people's souls. I think he'd probably say that's God's deal, you know. So but um but that's used in a way that is very unhelpful. And then I think Danforth uh, and I just disagree on some of these major issues. I mean, I think I think the George W. Bush uh, era was you know a failure and it was a failure in dramatic ways because of the wars. And Danforth was, you know, sy- sympathetic and supportive, I think still would be very close to the Bushes. I think on immigration we're very different um, on the position, and that's become more stark on trade, on the international. You know, he was the he was a short time as ambassador to the UN. He's got bought into the some of that vision, and and I just disagree significantly on that. And so, I thought it was, and then I thought it was just frankly, I I, I just think Danforth should not let himself be. I, put used in that way by the post they really used it as st. jacks over here and isn't trump terrible and i just think that's not But I, mean, I believe
0: wasn't it his intent to write it himself i mean are you saying that the washington post reached out to him for the piece? I don't know i mean I, okay. a lot of
1: times a lot of times those ideas for those things are not like danforth wakes up and says i want to write an op ed i'm not sure but right. even still you know where you put it and how you're positioning it where you posi- his objection wasn't to um he wasn't writing an op-ed, no matter who wrote it or who initiated it. Excuse me, yeah, who initiated it? Mm-hmm. Um, how it is positioned, you can see coming a mile away. I mean, when you're Danforth and I'm smaller potatoes, but I know where I fit in. You know, you know how things are going to p- position in the debate, and I think that was a punch that he could have not taken, or maybe taken in a different way. And I, and I look, I think the president has an, inc- President Trump has an incredible. Array of forces that want him to fail, significant forces that are on the left, and are on the corporate big business side, and some in the Republican Party. Now that's not uncommon. That's life. I'm not saying it's you know the same thing would have happened to W, same thing Obama, all that. But it, it 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 to my mind, there needs to be more of us defending his opportunity to lead than to knock him about
0: his thing that he focused on throughout the course of our i would say it was about an hour-long conversation ed was the tone he feels like the tone <laughs> divides the country rather than unifies it Your yeah to that?
1: um well a couple things one is with phyllis schlafly for whom i'm so well acquainted and and um uh the late phyllis schlafly someone came up to her and said phyllis how can you back trump how can you do it he's so coarse And she said with sort of a Phyllis smile and kind of she said, it's it's kind of a coarse culture right now. I mean, you can wish that John the Baptist would run for president and and win. It's not happening. Right. I mean, you can wish that the the, uh, Jack Danforth could have been president. It didn't happen. I mean, part of it is a a leader captures the moment we're in and has to lead on that. Now, as to the dividing thing, um, I just would tell you, Tim. I think Trump is having an incredible effect uh, uh, on people in a way that's going to sound, maybe it's going to sound totally Pollyannish. When he came out and said about the statues, he said, you know, where's this going to stop? George Washington next? And by the way, a week later, the mayor of New York wants to take down Columbus, right? And we got all this. If you looked at the polling on it, and I'm not saying polling is everything, but you look at the polling. Trump was able to unite most of America— and unite most of the political class. The political class was against him, both the parties and the media, and most of America was like, yeah, even African-Americans were like, yeah, I'm not sure taking down statues is what's gonna help us, right? It's not our community. So on a whole bunch of stuff like that, I think Trump actually is finding a common way people relate and expressing it. And here's the best example. I, I think that America First properly understood is actually biblical and also has the best opportunity to allow a cultural renewal of our country, and here's why. When Trump says, we need to put America first, a bunch of people look up and they say, well, I was, my dad used to work in a, a can company in DeSoto, right? And it's gone, and um, you know, my, uh, my, you know, uh, my um, jobs went overseas or the things have changed so much, or they don't even know why, they just aren't sure. But one thing that seemed true about we need to put America first was it was a call to reprioritize who we were. Before we can fight wars overseas, we got to take care of ourselves, right? Before we can feed the world, we got to take care of ourselves. If you drove home and you parked in your car in the driveway and you gave all your money to your neighbor and your own kids and family started to be hungry, you'd say your priorities are off. We need in this country a a change in our priorities. I'm not saying Trump is the solution to that. I think politically he's very important, but we need a cultural one. And sitting next to Van Jones, who's, you know, I think he's a what com- was a communist. I don't know what he is. He's a lefty. And he says to me, afterward, he said, the thing that got me out of what I was going through is my dad stayed with my mom and raised a family. Now, he's a lefty. He said, we got to address the problem of the family. I don't have a solution. You don't have a solution. So what I see with Trump is m- more conversations about the the. Right priorities for the country, and who we are, and if you start to have a habit of talking about the right priorities, where are the jobs? What does it mean? How does it work? You know, then I think you have a chance to have more conversations about other things too, family. You know, and 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 here's an example timely. I think they floated this stupid tax plan. I mean, I tell you, this tax plan is a trap. It's a trap. I don't know a single person that voted for Donald Trump for his tax plan. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's nonsense. And what happens in Washington, the swamp gets their arms around and they go, oh, tax plan, lobbyists line up. Here's a loophole for this, a loophole for that, a loophole for this, a loophole for that. One of the things they floated, if you can believe it, the Republicans was we're going to get rid of your four, we're going to lower your 401k uh, contribution limits. I don't know if you saw that. Every normal working guy or gal that's hustling is trying to save money. And if they're not really rich, they use a 401k mm-hmm. and they look up and they say, you know, Mozilla of Countrywide is living in the Caymans with $100 million after he got bailed out and they sent guys to prison for signing bad loans, right? Now And now you bail out uh, insurance companies and you're going to take away my 401k contribution limit. Trump came out yesterday and said, we're not going to do that. Now, up on the Hill, they're yelling. They're Republicans. I can't believe he's playing this game. He's getting involved. He's saying you can't do that to people when they save. Now, my point is not to say that the guy's perfect. My point is... I actually think the opposite of Danforth. What he hears as coarse and dividing, I hear as totally different, totally challenging the priorities, and therefore necessary. Doesn't make it easy, but it's necessary.
0: Well, if you're enjoying the podcast, I want to make sure I drive home a point, and it's a point that I will continue to say over and over again, but it is the truth when it gets down to the business of radio. And the business of podcasting, that is, the name of the game is supporting the sponsors. It's all it comes down to. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you go out of your way that when you have the opportunity to do business with somebody you hear sponsoring this show, you do so. And therefore, I want to recommend the James Carlton agency. James Carlton, State Farm agent uh, with a massive team of seven. And James Carlton uh, prides himself in doing things the way that I think a lot of people appreciate but you don't really see all that much. This the, the, In 2017, you just don't. You call, you just kind of go into it going, okay, it's going to be a miserable labyrinth of on automation. Well, James prides himself on the fact that he has a large staff. So when you call, you know that you're going to talk to somebody. Uh, that's just one of those old school things, though, that I think people appreciate. It shouldn't be old school. Well, James gets it, and that's why he is... The head of an agency that has achieved the chairman's circle two years in a row. And that's like the Lombardi trophy of state farm agents. As a matter of fact, only two agencies in the St. Louis area can say yeah. it. And James Carlton agency is one of those two. You have to have insurance already. So why not make the switch to a local business? That's a supporter of this here presentation and also of the local community and also represents the number one company in the industry. Text quote, to 314-961-4800. That's 314-961-4800. And one of his incredible team members will reach out to you. Or you can visit carltoninsurance.net. You ought to check out their reviews on Facebook or Google. Uh, I can't imagine you're going to see too many people getting this worked up about working with an insurance agent. But when I looked at it, I was going, what in the world? Uh, And as you'll see, like in, in a couple instances with somebody going in kind of being critical, And then they come out of the process being very happy with the service they receive. That's what James prides himself on. And that's why we recommend him to you, uh, his staff at the James Carlton Agency. 314-961-4800. 314-961-4800. Text quote to 314-961-4800. And one of his incredible team members will reach out or visit carltoninsurance.net. Hey, here's what you need to know. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, then call James Carlton State Farm. When I sat with Senator Danforth, so as to get an idea, and, and not by any means that he needed to prove his credibility uh, to me or anybody else, I don't think, but I, I said, what are some things in the first nine months of the administration that you would consider to be positives to see what he would list? And he, he named a variety of policies, the Supreme Court. Um, So on the the other side of things, having a chance to sit here with you, Ed, what would be some things that you would consider to be negatives?
1: Yeah, I think that there's been um I think that there's been some personnel choices that I would say are 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 a concern. You know, the State Department, I'm uh, you Who would know would
0: you say Well, I think personnel? Tillerson
1: I think Tillerson's been a good leader, but I think around Tillerson and I am this getting down in the weeds a little bit, but down below Tillerson there's a there's a guy named Hook, Brian Hook, who's kind of more of a globalist and you know has a vision. He was coming out of the W administration. I I don't think you've seen some changes on the policy on some of the policy there. I think, you know, some of the movements um around, you know, Ivanka gets a lot of credit for being a softening influence she, on some of her policies on family, you know, in, you know the way she wants uh, federal uh, uh, child care. Those are not conservative policies. That's another government-run bureaucracy. Some of those things are making headway. I don't think that they've actually waded into the education department. Trump had promised, I don't know if he promised, he had talked about a major initiative aimed at the cities that would be school choice, which is anathema to the unions. They hate school choice, but it would be—it's one of the major blights on America to me—is these urban school systems that have just gotten so tied up by bureaucracy and spending. And he hasn't done any of that. He's—you know—that the, the education department has kind of done some of the predictable things. Um, so I don't think that there's. Um, I, I don't think, the judges is, by the way, Dan Ford's right, is about by far the best thing. I mm. mean, he, he's loaded the judiciary. You know, some of the, Gary Cohn, the, the budget, uh, the finance guy, he's a he's more of a Goldman Sachs guy. You see more friendly Wall Street stuff than maybe I'd like. Um, I would have preferred even harder line at the UN. You know, so at the UN, Nikki Haley goes into the UN and she basically, she's good on protecting our interests, sort of. But she's playing in their swimming pool you know their kind of thing so now a month ago he did pull out of UNESCO or initiated the policy didn't pull out of a UNESCO that's um that's probably positive and maybe you have to do incremental so I I think that um uh I think you know I don't think the president has figured out I'm not saying he's getting enough help on this how to Work with Congress enough. They should have been able to find an Obamacare deal and some kind of re- repeal and replace that would have been meaningful to the markets and all. So that's kind of a fail that everybody can catch some blame for. Um, and then I think, you know, I, I think he hired the wrong chief of staff. Reince was in over his head. Terrible hire. I mean, it, it, I you was thought that ch- from the get go. From the get go. Unfortunately for me, for good or bad, I put out an email the day before he got named saying it's a disaster to pick Reince. And so now I've got the chief of staff who I know well, Reince, who's pissed because I went out publicly. But I I was chief of staff to the governor of the state of Missouri. And um, it's an unbelievable job. It's like being governor. It's like being president. For for 97 percent of the decisions, you're the guy in charge because you you got only take the three percent, the hard ones up to the boss. And um, but it took a lot of it took a lot of learning for me to get better at the job. I mean, it's a job where the speed is so fast. Reince was a fundraiser. I mean, mm-hmm. Reince was a a a, a, um, a a kind of donor management consultant. He RNC, the Republican National Committee, is not a real organization of it. So he's a small town lawyer. I'm not blaming him. I'm saying he got it. You, you put worst thing you do for somebody is put him in a job that they can't succeed at. Mm-hmm. So Kelly coming in, General Kelly, is a and you see it. With the number of things that are happening, 97% of the decisions, I'm making that number up, but some high number, are going to be made and happen, and they don't involve the president, and you won't even notice them. And that's what you see with uh, Kelly is that the thing is moving now. The trains are moving, and um, and that makes a big difference.
0: So that's a number of criticisms. The one that I think if I were to, to pull like a 100 people who would be listening to this, and they go, top five things you have a problem with President Trump, yeah. I would imagine if
1: this were the family feud, the number one answer – would, tweets. Would be Twitter, and you I didn't t- mention it. Totally disagree. I think that they'll be studying his tweets 100 years from now, probably more. I think it's the most extraordinary. Look, you know this. I mean, you do this. You The first day you do radio, very first day, whatever, how many, 30 years ago, first day. How old do you think I am? Uh, I don't know, pretty <laughs> old. As you started when you were a boy, like two, I was, two years twi- old. I was 22 when yeah, I started. Yeah, two years old. Uh, you. You know, you're, you're okay. If you got some talent, you're okay. You studied it. The 30th year after, you're better at it, right? Trump has been communicating at a at a level, you know, playing in, you know, not just in big leagues, in New York, in the big leagues. And then he goes and does TV. And I asked Zucker, you know, Jeff Zucker runs CNN right. now. And he was at NBC when The Apprentice happened. And I said to him, I only met him once, Zucker, when he was hired me to, you know, do this thing. And I said... Um, What's he like? And, you know, Zucker himself is a character and a caricature almost. But he said, Eddie said, the guy's an animal in the sense that every week he would be studying what's going on, how it's working, what the ratings are. I mean, the guy is not this is not a guy that woke up and his hair was out of place and he decided to be president. He's a big league communicator at the highest level of the highest culture in the history of human beings. New York City in the 1970s and 80s, right, pulsing, boom, bah, and then the 90s, and then 20, he rides the reality TV wave like nobody else. There wasn't—what no, was the guy that was on Survivor? I don't even know his name. Remember the host? The, the oh, Jeff, the great Jeff, Jeff Probst. Jeff Probst, right. Jeff Probst would have been the, the comparable, but he didn't become a character like Trump did, right? So that's—by the way, one story that I, I love Chuck Todd telling. That Trump, every time Trump would do an interview on the Meet the Press, he would make the producers play back the interview— with no sound right after it was over, because Trump knew that most of what's going on is not what you say. I mean, that's why radio. I love radio because you can't fake it. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't be how pretty you are. Thank God but for thank, you. Thank you, know, you and so uh, much. You can't be. A, and you, <laughs> and Edit you, that out. And you, and you have, on the attack. And the, Edit it out. That's right. It's I'm going uh, to call you into a little Marco. Little Marco. Little McKernan. Uh, I noticed that. And so uh, the, the, uh, So he's a, he's a machine, and the tweets. Are, there's two things about the tweets that are so important. Number one is he is defining what we're talking about. And where I, from where I sit, that's exactly why I hired him. I want him to lead on these things. I don't want, I don't want him to stop. He won't stop. The second thing, though, is we've never had, and we never will probably have it again, but we'll never go back either. And a president who's as, as accessible, he's actually seeing what's happening from the public. He's seeing the responses to the tweets. He's seeing the reaction to the, You I mean, today he's tweeting after he's watching the, the the morning shows. Now you could say, oh my gosh, I don't want that. On the other hand, most of America is feeling a, a, a almost a connection to it. We've never had this be where politics is so important and, and, and public discourse is so important. And he's responsive. He's actually, the 401k thing that I mentioned earlier, he didn't come out today because he'd suddenly had a, policy briefing. He watched over the weekend where people like my wife were like if that guy does that I'm done Mm -hmm. and Trump was like yeah, that's and he loves it. They talk about it. He does A/B testing. You know, he's A/B testing all the time. What were you guys know? You do it on your website and places. You're seeing. So I just think that the tweeting is it's it's amazing. So do you think
0: it's a, so do you think it's a strategy?
1: 100%. Yeah, just 70 year old man. Well, that's that
0: that so that's what I wonder about. Some I mean, because I will go, okay, that's he's doing this, and then it's going to take your eyes off of this. Do you think that's what's going on?
1: I think that sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's that he wants to drive attention towards things. Sometimes look, here's the one example that i like the best because i had hoped there would be better resolution but i think there still could be when the the head of china comes to visit mar-a-lago in i think in april and they do this big meeting and it's a big deal and um Trump finishes, you know, guys like me were so excited that we had a president who was like, we're going to go after the Chinese, right? They steal our stuff. They steal our technology. You know, I don't like their food. Actually, I actually like their food, but whatever. <laughs> General so, Sal's so, chicken. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna, who is that guy? You know, I mean, General Washington's yeah. chicken. Rename it. I mean, come on. So anyway, so he says in a tweet afterwards, glad China was here, good meetings, going to give them a chance to address the, the what's in their front yard, North Korea, meaning Everybody knows that North Korea can't turn the lights on without permission from China, right? They get they get they get trade everything. I mean, they're isolated except so. He gave them a chance, and for months and months and months, he gave them a chance, and clearly they were not. China was not able to pressure North Korea either. The guy is so crazy. And I don't think he is. I think he's. Uh, I think he's very clever and very strategic. And which,
0: which person are we so talking Kim about? Jong, being Kim, potentially Kim crazy? Jong. Okay. No, Kim Jong. Yeah, Kim Jong.
1: No. And so, uh, little <laughs> Rocket Man. And then, and then Trump decides, okay, we can't tolerate this anymore, and he does. I think he does two things. You have to watch a little closely, and maybe the second one is more wishful thinking than I know, but I think I'm right. The First one is he marginalizes Rocket Man. He says, okay, you're Rocket Man. And the whole cut that's all the guy has is shoots rockets up. Boom. And they don't go very far. Now he's Rocket Man. You know he knows the Elton John song. I mean his haircut all. Of. But the second thing is Trump has said, and so has Mattis, and so has Tillerson, we will not we have made the decision, we will not let North Korea get nukes. And we're going to do whatever it takes. Now, people said, oh, my gosh, is there going to be a war? If there's a war, we lose a million people in South Korea, right? Seoul is—so it's not—I don't think a war is going to happen. But I can tell you this. We're going to starve, almost literally, the North Korean economy. We're going to pressure the banks. We're going to pressure businesses. And it's happening. And it's happening. Chinese banks are saying they're not loaning to North Korea. And unfortunately, it will lead to millions starving— Literally starving in North Korea But we will have them on their knees And you're not going to hear There wasn't a press release saying We will now starve them Just like there wasn't a press release to ISIS Saying we're going to cut off You notice there's not a lot of ISIS tweets And Facebook posts Because we knocked all that stuff out We didn't put a press release out saying We're now taking away their social media It just stopped So it wasn't that cool To be an ISIS fighter If you couldn't become a hero To the world on YouTube We knocked all that out Mm -hmm. And we're killing them Now you don't have to like that It's sad in a way that we have to fight with our fellow man. But if we're at war, if you believe it's such a priority, it feels like a guy that doesn't mess around, you know? It feels like a guy that's serious. Along the the lines
0: of things that might not be popular, but in your opinion may be necessary, what is your view, Ed, on those who feel like President Trump has tapped into um, those who are bigoted? Yeah. Do you believe that that is
1: accurate? You mentioned, I think, off the air that I ran for office in, in Missouri and um, in, in both statewide for attorney general in 12 and in 10 when you're mentioning that uh, in, uh,
0: in South for City. Congress. Yeah. yeah, South
1: City, South County, Jeffco and St. Jen. So the first time and we'd ever flipped Jeffco to vote Republican in a generation or more, you know, flipped it. I can say I went to hundreds of rallies. I gave hundreds. Of, I was a Tea Party founder. I've, I've never met that I know of. Maybe I did. White supremacist. I've never been with people that stood around and said the N word about people or were bigoted. I, 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 you know, I just don't see that criticism as accurate. To, I've been to Trump rallies. I'm not saying that there's not a high percentage of white people Adam. I, I get that, but I've never seen a, a sort of the criticism of being for what I would call the America First mentality, which includes being against illegal immigration, which therefore includes being against a whole group of people that are predominantly Hispanic, right? I mean, there's some number, but I'm, I'm against the illegal immigration, the people that overstay their visas and abuse the visa process, and they're mostly white and Eastern European. But but that's the one place. After that, I'm, I'm for Trump's looking out at the crowd and saying to African-Americans, you stuck with that party for 40 or 50 years. You know, How could you do worse than that? They've they've sentenced your communities to your lower class. Not all of them, by the way. There's upward mobility in the black community that's worth noting and and rejoicing and celebrating. So I just don't see that. I don't see the bigotry, the whites. I never met a white supremacist, right? I never met a KKK member that I know of. I mean, I guess they could have been at my rally. But I'd have rallies of thousands of people. And you didn't get somebody that shows up with a sign. Never saw it.
0: I recall Uh, one of the things I heard, I think it was when the Mitt Romney tapes came out in 2012, they said one of the most damaging thing that can happen in politics is when one of the things that the public is very suspicious of, there's a taste of it's actually true, i.e. the Romney tapes, they're suspicious of Hillary Clinton, now you have the emails. And so for those who are suspicious of Donald Trump and any error of bigotry, whether they believe it's slight or real, when he addressed Charlottesville after the fact and didn't condemn the Nazis, they felt like, see, that proves it. What was your thought on his Well, I, first of
1: all, he did condemn the Nazis and the, and the, the bad guys, what his problem was. And, and then yeah, I want to back to two points. One is he was in New Jersey at the time. I remember watching it. And instead of doing what most presidents do and politicians do, which is wait and issue a statement after you see a lot more of what's gone on, he stood up at the podium, and he did a live reading, and he read a statement, and he added at the end of the statement something like, on both sides. Remember, he mm-hmm. said that? Oh, yeah. And that was the phrase that got, to me, that got him in trouble because people said, oh, you're moral, you know, you're making them equivalent. He had condemned everybody, he condemned, you know, and he should, we all should. We should condemn anybody who goes and says, I'm a white supremacist, KKK, in my mind, Black Lives Matter ought to join that, ought to condemn them. I'm with Nancy Pelosi, who, Antifa, I guess she was one that said Antifa should be condemned, all that stuff, I'm I'm for all that. His mistake was being too fast out and then not being able to clear it up. And then it, but then it was used. It's like this woman, this widow, of the uh, the guy killed in, in battle. You 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 have You're to making make
0: reference now to Congressman yeah Congressman Wilson, Wilson
1: right and the, and this the, well I'm making reference to the widow of right. the guy that but, died but yeah I, I, that story yeah I mean the way I hear it, Trump talk and Kelly talk now maybe they're both liars maybe they're both delusional whatever, but they basically said, in what is insanely hard, got to be the most the most difficult thing that Trump tried to say something about, you know, well, your, your guy, which I could hear. You know, what a guy. all. Now, uh, and by the way, the week before, and I, I found this in, in one of Trump's speeches, he gave a speech and he said, last week I was in Las Vegas, I met a 22-year-old kid and the cop, and he second day on the job, and the I think it was, and he, he said this cop said to him, sir, that's why I signed up. I signed up for this so I could run, defend the good guys against the bad guys. Then Trump heard that with Melania, and then he said it in a speech, read it, which means he saw it in three or four drafts, and he read it. So my point is that, When you're looking for a crutch to say how incredible you are, your husband, he he knew this could happen and he signed up. What courage this is, right? That's what Kelly, I think, says Trump was trying to say. But for that to be made into an indication that he's insensitive, you know, that he doesn't care, that's really tough to, to take. And same thing with Charlottesville. I think, you know, the extra sentence, the extra phrase didn't help, but- how many times do you have to condemn them to say that you're not a bigot? And by the way, most Americans, we not it's not fair, a lot of Americans live in a culture where we get dinged for being politically incorrect and pay a price that's disproportionate to the, you know, you, you, know, you, you can't say, well, as one of the women said, you can't get whistled at. One of the women said, I used to like, I was young, I could whistle that. You can't get, you know, you can't. our culture's just changed. I'm not saying all of it's bad, by the way. Much of it is good. Especially when you get a light shine on these pigs in Hollywood and, and, and the news. By the way, I'll pause and tell you that story. You go out to New York. When well, I launched this book, you know, The Conservative Case for Trump. I went out to New York. I'd never been to the, the shows out there. This is a year ago. And um, you go into these studios, right, Fox and then MSNBC and CNN, and everybody in them is like gorgeous people right the girls that are the young women that are coming to walk you from the front desk to security back they look like they came out of a movie like a model right mm-hmm. and then you go to the next level and there's another set of them then mm-hmm. you get the guys that are working like the cameras look like they came out of the model like the world is soaked in that kind of vibe right of what uh, the culture is up there and so you know it's it's uh it's, it's kind of a side note that it's good to have the the uh the light shine on that stuff right but but with i I just don't know how how much? To, how how does Trump um, unring that bell when the media message is bigotry, bigotry, bigotry? And I just don't see it. I don't mm. see it in his policies. I don't. His policies are not. Uh, I don't think are, are bigoted. You know. Well, taking along the
0: lines of of the NFL protest, people go. You know, they, well, who's he picking on there? And then it just it adds to what in your mind is not an accurate narrative, but in other people's minds is the narrative that they can't get around whether they believe...
1: He picked on uh, Goodell, Commissioner Goodell. That was mean to pick on the big guy. I see what you're doing. I respect it. uh, No, 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 but look, I said this last night on CNN. They said he picks on black women. I said, wait, there's 16 guys Now, is that a reference
0: to Congressman Wilson? Yeah, Congressman Wilson, Mm -hmm.
1: and then they went and said the the Jamel Hill from ESPN and uh, Maxine Waters, and they're running out this list, and I said... Boy, for about a year and a half, he picked on 16 Republicans, a couple of Hispanics, a woman, Carly Fiorina. All the guy the people that ran against him, for, he picked on Megyn Kelly. My point is not that he doesn't pick on people. He picks, he does fight with people, but it's not clear to me it's black people. I mean, he picked on Ben Carson when whooped him up. Remember he called him? Remember he said he was like? A, you remember he mocked his uh, his this, the story about the stabbing? I mean, he he's an equal opportunity. Guy, when it comes to, today, he's picking a fight with Bob Corker, who, other than being short, doesn't seem to have a protected class in our society. So, I don't, I mean, again, I that coarseness, fair enough. Let's talk about that. Like, what is it? On the other hand, uh, I don't know if there's anybody been more effective. I mean, it's a, it's an you, you don't know anybody who's been more
0: effective you're than Trump, saying, than like, Trump, been in history, is, in, in history. He's the most effective president in history. Oh, no, you're... no,
1: I mean, in terms of the verb, in terms of the battling,
0: I to see, beat, I there's see.
1: never. The game of Republican politics, I was on the Republican National Committee. It was and is rigged to be controlled by the powers that be and the money. And Trump marched in and just swept them out. Look, Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, these are not small time. This isn't like the the Little League team. These are major league all-stars, too. And Trump whooped them all. Hillary Clinton, you don't have to like her politics. I don't either. Major league talent, like big league talent. And a big league operation that was on her side. And Trump just keeps winning. I mean, it's, it's pretty darn impressive. Same thing with every time you say, oh, my gosh, he's done something that's absolutely the end of the world. It's like, well, on the other side, he's got momentum, right? He's got the, the the deal with the DACA. You know, DACA, they said, oh, the, the, he's going to let the um, illegals stay in some way. It's going to upset guys like me. You have to wait and watch what he did. He said, we're not going to, we're going to let it six months more so that people aren't in a box, in a bind, but we're going to stop the program. There's 650,000 people illegals on the DACA program now. It was a program you had to sign up for mm-hmm. by ending the program, which he did. million that could have signed up can't sign up. Now, what he said was the 650 that are in the program, I'm not going to chase them out today. Mm -hmm. So it feels like, to him, being kind, he didn't want to be too hard. But to me, it's a policy shift to close the thing on the other 1.3 million, which I voted for and wanted. So I don't know. It's pretty cool.
0: uh, Along
1: those lines, you made reference to the Billy
0: Bush tapes uh, earlier on. I'm curious you're a religious man correct Catholic I am all right yes how did you come to terms with that when that tape came out
1: well I I, I don't vote for a pastor I vote for a president right and I have a as a someone who's in politics up close I have a pretty um clear-eyed view of the uh of the you know the quality of people in politics. I I don't. It doesn't. I'm not saying it doesn't disappoint me and shock me. And uh, you know I don't really like when the president uses even. Even though I enjoyed where it ended up when he said about the football players. You know I wish the sons of. You know mm-hmm. there's a coarseness that even I don't like. Um, on the Billy Bush thing, I I also though I I looked at it and I thought, it's t- 12 or 13 years ago, not to excuse it, but also it's a, a sort of role that I've seen him play that kind of machismo kind of guy but here's the reality it happened six weeks before the election for a reason I mean I've been there when you run for office you know three weeks before the election Russ Carnahan has a press conference and says you know I was one of the lawyers that super allowed people to uh, to um, allowed people to get away with abusing pedophiles in the catholic church because i worked for the church total lie totally untrue but it the press covered it because it was three weeks out and we were dead even in my race mm-hmm. M- the reason why they went after trump at that point and and you know i, I knew something was going to come was because he was a threat so part of me said it's a while ago part of me said it is locker room talk and part of me said this is what when you come down to a binary choice hillary or trump they're gonna to try to take out Trump and this is part of that effort and I didn't want that to happen. I mean, that's why we wrote the book. Mm-hmm. That's why I did the, uh, the thing because at the end of the day, I hope Trump gets mercy on his soul. I hope he gets to heaven. I think that'd be great. But I also think that our leaders needed to, we needed a president who would appoint guys like Gorsuch and other judges and take us in a different direction. And if that is an imperfect vessel, that's in human history. That happens quite a bit.
0: You make reference to your political career, um, and I was reading that uh, you acknowledge you are considering, at the very least.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. The Senate, the Senate race, yeah. For well.
0: The U.S. Senate seat against Claire McCaskill. Well, it, where do you, where would you characterize your feelings on that at this well, point, a little more than a year out from that election?
1: Yeah. So, um, and I one Phyllis Schlafly used to say one of the best things that happened to her was that she ran for office twice and lost. When you run and run, especially a spirited race like the 10 and for 12 to some extent, although it was overshadowed by the ache and uh, Todd was on the top of the ticket and everything kind of changed. But um, you learn a lot about how politics works and you really understand it. So I understand that business pretty well. Doesn't mean I'm particularly good at it. I lost, I like to point out, I won two primaries and then lost two general elections.
0: But anyway. So we're going two uh, and two as yeah, official two. Record. That's
1: my, Well, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not a very good spin, but I mean, it's the best I can do. Yeah. But so, you know the game well, and I played it at a high enough level. And then I went I was chairman of the party, so I was at the RNC. So I know how it can go. I also know that you certain types of candidates don't have to decide too early. So I don't have to decide too early. I've got some freedom. And here's the two key, key factors that matter. Trump won Missouri by 19. That does mean that we should be able to win that. A Republican should be able to win. A Trumpian Republican. but um, And that's important. Um, and and um, so the first point is that Trump won by 19. And when we run in 2018, for Trump's future— meaning 2020, we can't have him lose. In other words, the narrative becomes Trump loses Missouri, won by 19 and lost all those people. It's a a problem for 2020, which is my top focus is the president and what the president is able to do for the country and him staying in for another term should he run, which I hope he will, will be very important. The second thing is I know politics now and politics is not um, and Claire knows this. It's not run by consultants from Washington the same way it was in the past. Mm-hmm. And the guys that I've seen running, and Josh Hawley's in now, and I think he's going to be – he's a good candidate. I'm, 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 I'm probably – probably be all for him if he runs the way he should. But if he runs the way he shouldn't, which is the consultants and all this stuff, then he'll lose. And I, 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 he's a good vote. He, if, he could get, if we could put him in the Senate today, Josh Hawley's a great vote. I think he's a conservative and all that. The question is whether you're going to run as a candidate who can win, because Claire is one of the great street-fighting, tough, you know, leave-it-all-on-the-table fighters. And so we'll see what happens. But I, if I was a betting man today, I wouldn't bet on me running.
0: It. You would not bet on you I running. would not, but I'm, I'm not. What would put you in the mix if you if, saw if that I Josh saw, wasn't going to run yeah, the if way I saw, you did?
1: Th- if I saw him stumbling and if I saw that he was, uh, you know, the, 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 the split—I I have optimism that the Trump—that the reticence of even guys like Danforth and others, a Trump-style— are going to be overcome by what Trump is accomplishing. And that even, you know, I'm not saying Jack Danforth is ever going to say, oh, I think he's swell, but I think he's going to say, you know, concretely doing things in the direction of where we want to be. You know, the regulatory, it's over 3,000 regulations that he's rolled back of Obama's. You know, people forget Obama had the House and Senate for the first two years, but as of January of 2011, Obama had none of the had no control to get his legislative because he lost the House. So he did everything by executive order, which means Trump can reverse everything by mm-hmm. executive order, mm-hmm. and he's doing that systematically. So I think that, that 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 as long as we get a little bit further into this this year of Trump where people say, "Okay, I don't always love how he did it or what he said, but the accomplishments are good enough." I think we'll settle down, and if we settle down and we're running well, I think it'll be fine. But I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll see. There, there there is a danger that the party will still cleave further. And if it cleaves further where people there's a danger some people will run and say, I'm running for a Republican nomination, but I'm against Trump. In that case, that's, that's a non starter because I don't think it wins and I don't think it matters. I'd rather have, probably have, no, I wouldn't rather, I'd never rather have Claire, but I don't want, so I just am not sure
0: yet. So in the case of Josh specifically, you yeah. have kind of put the action on him to denounce somebody who has been his biggest advocate, a person we've spent a good amount of time talking about. Jack Danforth, because of what he wrote in that Washington Post op-ed.
1: Well, at the time that it happened, here's what I did. I jumped out and and defended the president, and I kind of whacked everybody I could around me, knowing politics. I knew it would get some sensation. You know, Jack and I have disagreed on policy and politics before, and it ends up on the front page of the Post-Dispatch. One time it was over Rand Paul getting called a cuckoo, you know, by McCain and Graham. And, you know, Jack and I had an email exchange that ends up on the front page of the Post. So we disagree, you know, somewhat agreeably. Um, So I got in that right away and I said, nah, Danforth's not, that's not, you know, that's a wing of the party that doesn't represent what's happening and and on and on. And, you know, again, partly because... I need I believe we need to hold the Trump voters. I mean the, the Trump voters need to stick with us in the Republican Party, and I worried about it. And I think it's I think I'm right on that. Um so Josh was quiet. I think Josh was He was
0: not in town when President yeah, that's, Trump visited in, in uh, that's in, that's neither here nor there.
1: No, no, that's not that's 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 a that's a total dodge. First of all, if you're running for U.S. Senate, you don't leave the state on vacation. It's a little tip, right? If you Just like if you're doing sales for your show and you sell to Joe's Burger Shack, if you go over to Judy's Burger Shack, you know, Joe's going to look at you a little funny, right? So if you're spending your holiday, Missouri Senate candidate going to the Arkansas Ozarks, that somebody's not using their head. And you, well, you go to Tahiti after you're in the Senate, right? You know, you know it's, that's how this works. So that's number one. Two, that's a consultant tells you, don't show up. You know, don't get a picture. You remember uh, there's a famous photo. It's a big photo. Robin Carnahan being introduced by Obama in Florida. You ask Andy Blunt this story. There, You know, Robin Carnahan's getting ready to run for U.S. Senate against Roy and uh, the first time in 2010. And there's a photo where Obama says, and Robin Carnahan's here. She's great. Come up here. Robin throws his arm around. And I think Andy Blunt tells the story. He was on vacation. And he saw it and he said, "We we got it. And they use that clip over and over and over against Robin Carnahan saying this is, by the time 2010 comes around, here it is with, so I'm sure the consultants were telling Josh, yeah, just stay a little distant. And that to me is a, if, if it turns out that Trump is so toxic that he had to stay away, Josh is sunk anyway. He'll be attorney general forever because he's, you know, in the middle. So I just don't agree with that. So. I
0: understand what you're saying on that. Yeah.
1: So you, at this point, would say you are most likely not I would say it's the, the best—I think the best candidate is probably not me.
0: Okay. Right All now, right. today.
1: Right. The goal is to win. The goal is not to be feel good about yourself. All right. It's, so you're happy with doing the TV thing? Well, I mean, it's—I'm happy to be— in the fray, you know, my day job is as as uh, the head of Phyllis Schlafly's organization, and so we have a, we have, not so much chapters, but eagle leaders across the country. We had a big event over the weekend in in California, and we do a lot of sort of advocacy and education. So that that energizes me. I think I have a. I think I have a better role to play doing that. All
0: right. Well, I appreciate you coming in and talking it over. I enjoyed the hell out of this. Yeah, it's really good, good to
1: talk. Yeah. Well, I wanted to make sure I say it on the podcast that I was got an email from one of my friend, friend sort of young woman, and she said, "Just tell McKernan that there's a 26 year old, you know, leggy." <laughs> this, is, this is probably leggy. written by like a 72 year old. Yeah, guy. that's why you mean the same guy that gave you this. Yeah, shirt. that's right. Yeah. So, but anyway, said that she's she's listening to the show, and I, I was bet like, she is. And I, I said, "That's right." I said, <laughs> "I'm sitting behind a computer, 72." <laughs> Old yeah guy. isn't that that's called catfishing is, is yes, that right is. that's what's going that's what's on going on yeah I' so. appreciate
0: it man thank you so much good to be with you so there it is ed martin with us here on the tim McKernan show i enjoyed the conversation i re- I really did uh and it's one of those things where anytime we sit down and do these i find myself being like god i'd kind of like to go longer but I, I look for like physical tells with the guests uh, or verbal tells everything's a poker hand and going okay this is the point where uh, they're ready to get going, and I, I don't even know if he was there yet. But I felt like, okay, I've kept him an hour. I know he's got to fly to New York for another CNN appearance, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him go here. But I know that there's more to get into. And uh, since we did that interview, Ed uh, has sent some emails to uh, John Seymour, uh, the executive producer of uh, the Tim McKernan Show, and myself. So I feel like we kind of developed a rapport, even if there were plenty of things throughout that that I'm kind of like, yeah, I just totally disagree with it. Uh, but I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I'm curious what you thought. For real, I I legitimately am. I would imagine some of you listening are big President Trump supporters. I'm sure plenty of you listening are are, uh, the complete opposite. And and what did you think? I also, something that I've noticed here in doing these things, and I have no problem with it because I get it because I think that's kind of the way that programming works right now. Um, And I'm going to explain where I'm coming from on it. Uh, is I've had a number of people who have written going, hey, I wish you would have asked this, or hey, how come you didn't ask that when whether it would have been uh, Jack Danforth said one thing or whether it would have been when uh, Tyoka Jackson said one thing or or whatever the case might be uh, over the course of the interview. John Mazalak, perhaps, whatever. And is it it kind of like the gotcha game. Even though I know that's not what people are describing it as, that's kind of what I... Since it has and certainly over the course of my conversation with Ed Martin, there were plenty of moments where if I wanted to play the gotcha game, I, I could have played the gotcha game. But let, let me explain what I'm doing in these, in my, my style of interviewing, from, from my standpoint, at least at this moment, is I want to hear what the person in the studio with me or on the phone, although I think we've only done one or two phone interviews for the whole thing. Uh, and that's just because Tayoka's in D.C. And, and Brian Curtis is out in Los Angeles. Uh, and that is, I just want to hear what they have to say. And I want them to be as comfortable as possible because the more comfortable they are, the more, for my money anyway, captivating uh, sound in interview you're going to get as a listener. And if all of a sudden it becomes like, okay, this is a cross-examination, then it, then it I just don't think it flows. As a matter of fact, one of the things we're talking about doing is shooting video of these and something Seymour and I have talked about. And it's it's simple, simple philosophy, really, is we think and we might be wrong that people aren't as comfortable talking if there's a camera, even if it's just like one little handheld phone camera. Uh, The point being, I want people to be as comfortable uh, expounding on whatever topic as they want. Like Ed, for example, got into some behind the scenes tension on CNN. I don't know if he says that if there are cameras there. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying it feels more casual, and the more casual it feels, the, the more honest the conversation. That that again, it's a thesis. It's my belief, um, but along those lines, uh, I'm sure there were plenty of things that he was saying regarding President Trump, ten- President Trump's tenure. Uh, that there were people who do not like President Trump, going, well, "How come you didn't call me? How come?" You-? And and then there are also people uh, regarding, uh, I know uh, former Senator John Danforth, what he said, how come you didn't call him on when he said, uh, don't like the resistance of the Democrats. How come you didn't point out that, you know, what Mitch McConnell said, you know, the morning after president Obama was elected, you know, and, I, and listen, I'm aware of these things and some of the things I'm not aware of. So I don't want to make it sound like I'm taking the high road, uh, completely, but my, my overall strategy, I want to give you my reasoning for it. Um, now, if somebody says something that I write off the bat, just absolutely no, that's just factually untrue. That's different. But if somebody's giving their opinion and I happen to disagree with the opinion, we'll perhaps have a conversation about it. But it's not. It's not going to be like we're on the stand and so and so is under under oath and therefore every little thing I want to call them on and then it becomes some tense back and forth. That's not. That's not what these. That's not what these are. That's not at least not what I'm planning on doing. Like I said, it's more of a conversation. And in that, I think you get uh, a more comfortable guest and then ideally a better interview. Perhaps the modus operandi will change as we go along, but I know that's what the strategy is going in. Uh, Howard Stern, certainly one of my biggest influences. And um, I listen to him do interviews and I can tell what he's, at least I think I can tell that there's a strategy to it. And that's kind of what I'm at least attempting to to employ with these. So there's my reasoning. You may or may not care, but just for the record, uh, that's that's what I'm doing with these uh, podcasts, at least at this moment. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. I imagine you reacted. Like I said, you either loved it or you hated it uh, or just were like, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm hearing, whether it be positively or negatively. But uh, I certainly enjoy talking with Ed. My guess is he will, he will be back on Uh, again, and when he's back on, you'll either hate it or you will love it, but certainly he doesn't uh, hold back his opinions uh, as popular or unpopular as they may be. So there it is, another edition of the Tim McKernan Show in the books. Once again, please subscribe, whatever podcast platform you use, uh, and if you can, uh, please give us a positive rating. Initially, I just thought that was something to fill insecure voids, but as it turns out, it actually helps the cause, and so if it helps the cause of the podcast, then that's what I will say, even though I'm Somewhat uncomfortable saying it. Uh, we want to make sure we thank our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor from which we broadcast uh, here in Kirkwood, Missouri, and James Carlton, uh, his state farm agency in Webster Groves. We appreciate our sponsors. And, of course, those of you who have continued to listen, if you haven't listened, plenty of conversations to go back and enjoy. Uh, Gary Pinkle, John Mazalak, Jack Danforth, Derek Gould, Clay Travis, Tyoka Jackson, Brian Curtis, they're all there for you anytime you want. It's the beauty of podcasting. And we look forward to bringing you more here, at the very least, every Monday, a new guest here on The Tim McKernan Show. For my producer, John Seymour, I'm Tim McKernan. Thanks for listening to another edition of The Tim McKernan Show.